Amen. All right. Woo. Man, I am thankful for our worship team. Are you guys? Man, that was awesome. Good gracious. I was actually up there kind of watching from the up top and uh, just uh, seeing God's people worship. Like I've said this before, it moves my heart. I can only imagine what it does for the Father. You know what I'm saying? Whenever he sees his people worshiping. So, so good. So good. So, hey, welcome. If you're watching us online, we're, we're so glad you're joining us in that way. Like I said, we have people from all over the country that and actually all over the world that join us, and it's so cool that uh, we get to connect with them in that way and even share the gospel, the good news with them. So glad you guys are here today. And I want to say thank you to a couple of people. Uh, thank you to everybody who served for Fallapalooza last Sunday night. It was incredible. And uh, if y'all would give them a hand because they, they did a really good job of setting up. In other words, it was raining, so we moved everything inside. There were inflatables all in here. This place was packed with people and kids having a good time in a wholesome environment. And uh, it was just a good evening, man. And uh, I had a lady, uh, I, I, I was talking to somebody and I was just telling them, hey, listen, it was nice that we were able to be able to move everything inside, you know, with the weather uh, doing what it was doing. And the lady over my shoulder, she said, I'm so glad y'all did. She said, you know, uh, we've uh, been coming every year. And uh, she said, my daughters, they, they love this place. She goes, they've been coming since they were very little. And uh, she goes, we, we come every year. This is where they want to come. And I said, well, that's cool. So we have an impact there. And, and she said, I actually have a picture. So she had a picture from the first time they ever came here years ago. And they're 13 and 16. And, uh, and so I asked them, I said, hey, do you have a church home? And they said, well, no, not really. Uh, and they live in Millbrook. I said, well, come join us. We'd love to have you. I said, this is where the students meet in here on Wednesday nights. And so it was a great connection. So we got to impact our community. We got to bless our community. It was a great, great night. So thank you to everybody that put that on. Pastor Nate did a great job heading that up. And uh, it was opportunity just to bless hundreds, even thousands of people that night. And so uh, a lot of places was not able to do that because of the weather, but we were. So kudos to those guys. And then one other thing is, uh, if you haven't had a chance, don't walk out one of these other doors without going through the cafe today. Uh, Dr. Kevin Dickelman is in there with a bunch of his artifacts that are from Israel. And so we've got the Israel trip coming up next year. And uh, we'd love for you guys to pray about maybe being a part of that trip and going with us. We want to take a, a, a good group from our church over there and he's got all kinds of information and he'll actually share some stuff a little bit later about that but uh but man it's, it's going to be good uh to be able to just go over there and see some of the uh the bible that we read about come to life be able to experience it firsthand so anyway so that's one of the thing a couple of things that i'm thankful for so we're kicking off the series thankful and um, a lot of times what we do at this time of the year we're moving close to thanksgiving right we become you know we think hey we, we need to give thanks and uh, that's what thanksgiving is about there's a whole holiday that was set aside for that but a lot of people uh, in the last few years have started maybe taking each day of the month and finding something to be thankful for. And I don't know about you, but if you do that, if you take every day and find something to be thankful for, it will change you and your perspective. So I would encourage you to do that. You might say, well, yeah, I didn't start the first of the year. Well, start now, you know, and or the first of the month, start right now. Start today. Today's the sixth and say, you know what, today until the end of the month, I'm going to find something every day to be thankful for. And as uh, we were kind of in that, that video, that kind of bumper there, it was talking about, you know, thankful for salvation. And really today, that's one of the things that I felt like that God put on my heart uh, to, to teach on today that I'm thankful for. And so it's the cross of Jesus. And so uh, I'm thankful for the cross of Jesus. I, I mean, I know a lot of times uh, we, you know, we can kind of get to the point where we just kind of take that for granted. But God just kind of stirred in my heart this past week that, uh, you know, just to to celebrate the cross of Christ, you know, uh, to celebrate you know, the cross of Jesus. And, and let me just say this, the cross to begin with was not something to be celebrated. And most of you guys that know anything about history, 
you know that uh, you know it was not a good thing. The cross was not a good thing. It was a it was a symbol of torture. It was a symbol of death. It's where criminals were hung, and uh, it was total humiliation. It was it was to it was to kind of almost say, hey, listen, if you mess with us, this is what you get. You know, and it was started uh, really back in India and then in China and then Rome just kind of perfected it. And it was their, it was their instrument of torture. And uh, so it was not something to be celebrated. It was something to be feared. And, and God, God just changes everything and Jesus changes everything. I love it. So the message of the cross is foolish uh, to those who are headed for destruction or perishing. But we who are being saved know it is the very power of God. So today I want us to talk about the power of God and the power of the cross and how it, it literally changes lives. It changes people and, and, uh, and how God had a plan all along. And so too often what we do is we, you know, we, we see things differently than God sees things. And so man had taken the cross and he had corrupted, you know, this thing. And he said, Hey, this is an instrument of torture. They had made it in that way. But God said, you know what? I'm going to use that to redeem mankind. I'm going to use the cross. I'm going to use what was, what was wicked, what was bad, what was evil. And I'm going to, I'm going to use that to literally change everything. And, and so when we look back at this, and Paul is writing to the church at Corinth there, he says, the message of the cross is foolish to those who are headed for destruction. So for those who don't believe in the power of the gospel and those who don't believe in the power of the cross, and those who don't believe in the power of a, of a holy God, the cross is crazy. They look at it and they go, your, your savior died on that cross he bled out his precious blood and he died on that cross you know and and so your leader is gone your leader is dead but see we know there's an empty tomb right we know that there's a resurrection that takes place we know that and there's testimony there's witnesses of that we know that and so for those who don't believe you know even like the romans and the greeks whenever they looked at the cross they saw it as hey this is what criminals do and so whenever they would they would look at the story of jesus they'd say your leader, his own people betrayed him. His own people nailed him to a cross and he died on a cross. He died a criminal's death. You know, and, and so for those who don't believe in the power of the resurrection, those who don't believe in the power of the cross, they do think it's foolish. They're like, you bunch of stupid people. What are you doing? You know, why are you following this Jesus? But for those of us who believe, look here, but who, we who are being saved know the difference. We know the very power of God that was at work in the cross through the blood of Christ, covering and washing away my sins and changing me from the inside out. And if you've experienced that change, then you know what I'm talking about. You go, that's why we can sing, you know what, there's, there's honey in the rock. And we talk about the water flowing you know, from the rock. We know that, right? We know that God has met every need and God can meet every need. We know that. It's not something we have to wonder about, right? I mean, we know that. We know that. And so for us, man, this is something that we celebrate. And so we are thankful. And hopefully you're thankful. You know, you, you don't just kind of push past the cross. But you go, you know what, God, I, I want to I celebrate the cross. The cross was the ultimate symbol of torture and death. That's how it started, right? But God, God said, you know, that's, that's not enough. And so the victim was literally, you know, they were fastened to this wooden cross with either ropes or, uh, or at times nails and, uh, and, and Dr. Dickelman was over in the uh, cafe earlier. He and I were in there talking, and I, I was sharing with him what the message was on today. And he goes, hey, well, you may want to use this. And so he picked this up, and this is the left heel bone of a man that was crucified near where Jesus was uh, crucified. And I don't know if you can see that spike that goes through that heel bone. And you might say, well, that's graphic. 
That's some man's bone there. That's exactly right. It's not Jesus' bone. But the thing is, it shows us how cruel and how harsh and how mean, you know, that, that whole cross mentality was. It was to punish. It was to torture. And it was to do everything he could to say, hey, listen, don't mess with Rome. Don't mess with us. And, and so they, they sent that message. And so the whole picture of the cross was, was nothing to be celebrated. Nothing about it was, was something that we would go, you know, that's, that's awesome. But Jesus changes everything, doesn't he? He changes, he changes us. He changes our whole destiny. He changes our whole direction. He changes our, how we talk. He changes how we look at things. He changes everything. He changed, he changed the cross. This past week, I was with a bunch of men, and we were kind of hanging out and talking, and, and I looked over, and this guy said, he goes, are you pastor of such and such? And I said, yeah. And I, I said, that's me. And he goes, man, I've heard a lot about you. I said, I hope something in there was good. And, uh, and he said, yes. He said, man, he said, I, I've heard a lot about you. And I said, well, I love your, I love your necklace. He had this huge silver necklace on. And I said, I'm teaching on the cross Sunday. And he goes, man, he goes, let me just show you this. So on his, his screensaver on his phone was a picture of him and his wife being baptized. And uh, so he understands the cross, you know what I'm saying? So he's wearing this cross. He wants people to know, man, I've been, I've been crucified with Christ. I, I no longer live, but he lives in me. And I'm thinking, how cool is that? And, and so we're sitting, sitting there. And so he and I begin to talk. And this other, these other two guys, are, they're able to sit there and listen to us talk about how Jesus changes our lives. We get to share our testimony sitting there. And it wasn't a religious gathering, I can promise you. You know, we were just, it was guys together just hanging out. And, and so we get to talk about how Jesus changes everything. And I'm just telling you, if there's no change in your life, there may be no Jesus in your life. And so by the time of Constantine in the fourth century, it became a symbol of everything that Christianity stood for. So the cross went from being a sign of, you know, for criminals and death and torture to being a, a, a symbol of everything that Christianity stood for, which Christianity stood for you know, salvation through Jesus Christ. It stood for hope uh, for those that are hopeless. It stood for peace that passes understanding. It stood for, you know what, that there is life beyond this world. There is eternal life. And so it stood for all of that. And again, like I said, it was a symbol of hope. And so for those who had no hope, man, they could look to the cross and go, you know what, there's, there's hope. There's power in the cross. There's power in what Jesus did on the cross. And, and so these people would see that and, and it would become a beacon in some ways. I mean, there were nations that would put it, you know, in their emblem or whatever for their nation that the cross was there. They were a Christian nation, if you will. You know, the red cross is supposed to be a sign of, of help and hope or whatever, even now today. You know, the medical signs that we see, you know, that has the cross on there with the serpents on there, that, which is from back in Moses' day. And so we know that, you know, you know what, there's hope in that. And it's a symbol of that. And so Jesus changes everything. So whenever Jesus steps into our life, he changes everything about us. He changes the way we think about ourselves. He changes the way we think about other people. He tries to continually shape and form us into his image to become more and more like him. Now, sometimes we fight that and we, 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 we push away from that, but we, we've got to know that, you know what, that's God's perfect plan is for us to become more and more like Christ. The cross convinces me that I'm loved. So when I look back at the cross, there's a few things today that I, I think are important for us to to be thankful for and to be reminded of. And one, when I look at the cross, the cross convinces me that I'm loved. When I look at what, you know, what Jesus went through, when I look at, when I look at this and I go, all right, Jesus suffered, you know, for, for my sins. When I realize that Jesus knew what was going to be involved in the garden of Gethsemane, he's going, father, is there another way? Can this cup pass from me? But father, not my will, but your will be done. And he says, father, I, I just want to be obedient. 
And so Jesus knew what was going to be involved. He knew that the beatings would take place, the scourgings that would take place, that his back would be ripped to shreds. And as he went there, you know, he went on purpose. Jesus was intentional. Nothing could deter him from going to the cross. And, and the more that we look back at that, we go, it's because he loved us. I mean, there was nothing that he had to die for other than our sins. And, and so, so he is literally going, you know what? I love them so much. I, I want a relationship with them. I want to redeem them. I want to save them. And, and so when we look at the cross, we go, man, Jesus loves me. You know, he didn't, nobody forced him on that cross. I think sometimes we think the religious leaders won or that the Romans, you know, they won. And in their mind, they may have thought they had, but they did not win. Jesus chose to lay down his life for your sins and for my sins, for the lying, the cheating, the stealing, you know, whatever it may have been that you've done, you know, your worst possible sin that you think whenever you try to quantify it, but all sin is equal in God's eyes, Jesus died for that. And he died that we might be set free, right? He died for us. And so the cross convinces me that I'm loved. John 3, 16 is pretty clear. For this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. So, so, so God says, hey, listen, I love you so much that I'm sending my son as a sacrifice. A sacrifice for your sins and for my sins. And so God loved me and he loves you that much. And I know there are times we wonder, how could a God love me? I don't know. I don't know how he can love us the way he loves us. That's a God thing. But I will tell you this, he puts his love inside of us and shows us how to love other people. And so when we love God, we have to love other people. You know, and so we, we look back at this and we go, so God loved us so much that he gave his one and only son to be a sacrifice, to bleed out his precious blood, to be nailed to a, a Roman cross, to die a, a real death. You know, and so that we could live and so that we could have eternal life and he doesn't want anybody to perish so God sent his son into the world not to judge the world but to save the world through him in other words it's through Jesus Jesus said I am the way the truth and life no one gets to the father except through me and so we, we often might think well maybe if I am a good enough person maybe if I do enough good deeds maybe if I follow all the rules and the regulations you know maybe I'll get in we'll see today that's not enough You'll never qualify. You'll never be there. You'll never be good enough. None of us will be. And so we, we look and Jesus is the only one that was. And so he was the one that had to be the perfect sacrifice for our sins, for the lies that you tell, for the anger that you have right now in your heart, for the bitterness that you have towards somebody, for the, for, for the, for the, the jealousy, the envy, the coveting that you have struggled with all week. Jesus died for that, to set you free from it. And so we, we have to say, God, you know, thank you for loving us. Romans 5, 6 through 11 says, for when we were utterly helpless, Christ came at just the right time and died for us sinners. And so I love that God is always on time. He's never, he's never late. He's never early. He's always on time, right? And so the scripture says at just the right time, because oftentimes we say, well, man, I wish I'd have lived back when Jesus was here. You know, maybe I'd have been different. Maybe I'd have, I'd have, I'd have seen, I'd have believed. Maybe that would have changed everything. I don't think it would have. So he said, God's timing was perfect. God knew who would be there at the time. He knew the disciples that would take the message to the world. He knew the disciples that would literally take the gospel, you know, and then literally it would be handed off and people would make disciples over years and years. And here we are sitting here today because of what they did. See, God knows who's sitting in the room today. He knows who is going to take this message and take it to the four corners of the earth. He knows who is here. And so it's God's timing. His timing is perfect. And he's died for us sinners, us broken people. 
said, now most people would not be willing to die for an upright person, though someone might perhaps be willing to die for a person who's especially good. Well, the thing is, is the scripture just said that we're sinners, right? So there's none of us in this room that are especially good. Now you might think you're a pretty good old boy, but I'm just telling you, according to the word of God, you're, you're, you're broke and you're corrupt and you're a sinner. Your heart's not even a good heart. Your heart is corrupt. So when we look back at what the passage said before that, we know that, you know what, it's, we're not especially good. We're especially bad. We're especially sinful. You know, we're, we're cheats and we're liars and, and we, we, we steal things and we say things about people and we gossip about people. And so we're especially good at lying is what we would have to admit. But this scripture says if we were especially good, well, most of us aren't there. But God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were what? Sinners. See, in my brokenness, I remember at the age of 19 going, you know, God, you know, I'll, I don't, I don't know what, I don't know what I can give you. I don't know what I can offer. And God just spoke as clear as he could, as he could to me. Just give me your life. When I gave him my life, he put his, he applied his righteousness Christ's righteousness to my life. He wrote my name in the Lamb's book of life. He redeemed me. He changed me. He's still in the process of transforming me and changing me into the image of Christ. I'm still a work in progress, but God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. And so it wasn't that we had, we've qualified, that we've earned anything. We were still sinners. And since we have been made right in God's sight by the what? The blood of Christ. See, that's the cross. By the blood of Christ, he will certainly save us from God's condemnation. And so I love it here. Paul is saying, hey, listen, because we've been saved by the blood of Christ, by Jesus' precious blood, pouring out on that cross was the ultimate sacrifice for your sins and my sins. There had to be the shedding of blood for the remission of sins. And so Jesus bled his precious blood. The perfect lamb bleeds out his precious blood to pay for your sins and my sins and for the sins of the world, past, present, and future. And he covered it all to redeem. You think about whenever we, we celebrate communion, we're celebrating his body that was broken for us. We celebrate the blood that was poured out for us to save many. That's what the cross is about. And if you look at that, it says, by his blood, we've been saved, you know, and we're made right in God's sight. I love that. Made right in God's sight. And there's no condemnation for those who have put their faith in Christ. And for since our friendship with God was restored by the death of his son, there it is again, it's the death, Right? It's Jesus dying. There was power in the blood of Christ. Kind of like the old song. There's power in the blood, right? There's power in the cross. There's power in his death. All those things had to take place while we were still his enemies. I mean, think about that. We're, we were enemies of God. And Jesus went and died for us. Now, we, we think about, you know, I'd be willing to lay down my life for my, my wife or my kids or my mom or my dad. But most of us wouldn't do that for our enemies. But Jesus would. And so when we were still his enemies, Jesus died for us. We will certainly be saved through the life of his son, the power of the resurrection, the power of the resurrection, the life of Christ. So now we can rejoice in our wonderful new relationship with God because our Lord Jesus Christ has made us friends of God. Is that not mind boggling that we get to say that we're friends of God? And it's not because of anything that I did or that I deserve, but we're made friends of God. So when we pray, You know, we're able to pray to God like he's a friend. We're able to pray and talk with Jesus like he's a friend. 
Whenever, the, whenever the, the cross took place, the part of the power of the cross, when Jesus died, the veil was ripped from top to bottom so that we could enter into the Holy of Holies, we could enter into the presence of God, that we can take our prayer requests, we can take our petitions to him. And we have that opportunity, that privilege because of the cross of Jesus, because of the cross. And so I don't know about you, man, but I'm thankful that I can pray to a holy God and consider him my friend and he considers me his friend because of what Jesus did for me and what he did for the every sinner in the world. I mean, that is mind-boggling. So he doesn't love our sin, but he does love us. So be clear, God hates the sin that we hang on to. And too often what we do is we love the sin more than we love the Savior. We hang on to sin, we'll justify it. We keep saying, well, I can't, I can't stop or I can't quit or we've got all these things, we've got all these things that we justify. Well, they do it. You know, and there's people that claim they're Christians or people that claim they're, you know, holier than I am, but yet they do these things. So we justify our sin and we hang on to our sin. And oftentimes we worship our sin rather than the Savior who died for you. We pursue the things of this world way more than we pursue the things of God. You know, we, we spend a week, you know, and it doesn't matter if you're young or old. If you're in this room, you're addicted to that stinking phone that's in your hand. There's always something coming through there that's that you're, you're going, hey, I've got to have that or I've got to have this. And we sit around and we, we search for things that we want, you know, and we're constantly desiring these things of this world and we spend very little time desiring the things of God. And that's just an honest evaluation of where most of us are at because our culture's there. Our culture's there. And we just say, well, that's just the way things are, Mike. That's not the way God intends for them to be. That's just the way the world is drifting, right? And so we have been called to be set apart, to be different and, and to literally live differently. So God, he, he hates our sin, but he loves us. We don't deserve any of it. I think that, you know, in this culture that we're in, there's often this mentality that we deserve things. And, and, and our kids have grown up deserving, you know, they think they deserve everything, you know? And so there are times whenever maybe you're at work and someone gets a raise or someone gets a promotion and you go, well, I deserve that. Well, maybe you didn't, or you would have got it. You know what I'm saying? But there's always a reason. It's because, you know, th that person does whatever. And so we have a reason to justify why we didn't get certain things. And it's always somebody else's fault because we deserve that, right? And that's kind of the mentality and the culture that we're in right now. We deserve certain things. You don't deserve anything. None of us do. We don't deserve anything. But that's our mentality. We've been brainwashed to believe, hey, I deserve this and I deserve everything that God can give me. I don't deserve anything. I'm a sinner, remember? I was the enemy of the cross. I'm an enemy of God. But in his graciousness, in his grace, he has said, hey, listen, man, I will wash you clean. I'll redeem you. I'll save you. I'll make you my own. I'll adopt you into my family. I'll take care of you. But yet we think, hey, God owes, God doesn't owe me anything. And so the thing is, is we should work hard as unto the Lord. And, man, and I heard a guy say the other day, uh, or actually I read this. He was saying, hey, listen, you always want to be somewhere else. He said, why don't you be the best employee you can be with the best possible attitude where you are, doing the best possible job you can do. He said, I can just about bet you that somebody's going to want you to come do something for them. He said, but too often what we do is we complain about our job and we don't really work as unto the Lord where we are. So where your feet are, that's where you are. So do what you can to honor God with how you work. So we don't deserve any of it. We all had a part in the cross because of our sin. And so there's times we can look back. I can remember growing up, you know, I would, I would begin to weep when I would read about Jesus um, being blindfolded and the Roman soldiers punching him. And they would they'd say, they'd say, prophesy, prophet, tell us who hit you. 
And I can just imagine Jesus with a blindfold on and then them hitting him over the head with a rod and shoving these, these thorns down on, on their head. It would make me so mad inside, man. I would just be weeping, thinking about it. And I was thinking, man, those Roman soldiers didn't do that. Jesus accepted the role of going to the cross. Jesus was going to the cross whether they nailed him there or not. And so for me, you know, I can't look at those soldiers and get mad because I put him there as well. And you put him there with the lies that we tell, with the stealing, the cheating, the jealousy, the coveting, the anger, the bitterness, the resentment that we towed around, the sin that we have in our heart is what put Jesus on the cross. We all had a part in the cross because of our sin, but Jesus went there to set us free from that. And so the cross reminds me of what Jesus did for me. You know, there, there are times we have reminders. I wear a wedding band, you know, that's a symbol, right? It's a symbol that I'm, I'm married. I'm in a covenant relationship with my wife. And, and so whenever I look at the cross, I think about the guy who had the cross hanging around his neck. And I'm thinking, you know, as, as we're sitting there at lunch and I'm looking at that cross hanging around his neck, I'm thinking, you know, God, I get to preach about your cross. And there may be some of you here in the room or some of you online that you've got a cross necklace on today or maybe got cross earrings. And, and I hope they're not just, you know, just... Uh, you know, just something to ordain you or, or uh, just, just, I guess, some kind of jewelry. But there's something special about them that whenever you see it, you're reminded of what Jesus did. And I think it's important for us to look back. And, and like I said, this is Thanksgiving season, right? And so we look back and we think about what Jesus did on the cross and we're thankful. And, and we don't take it for granted, but we, we look back and we realize what Jesus did. So it reminds me of what he did. 1 Peter 2.24 says he personally carried our sins in his body on the cross so that we can be dead to sin, dead to sin, and live for what is right. And by his wounds you are healed. And so Jesus personally took our sins upon him so the sins of the world were placed upon him. And oftentimes people say, when Jesus says, Father, Father, why have you forsaken me that God had to turn his back on his son because the sins of the world were placed on him. But the thing is, is those are my sins that I've committed. And hopefully when I look back at the cross and I remember what Jesus did, I'm reminded of the fact that he took my sins upon his body. He, he personally took my sins upon his body. And, and look at what it says, so that we can be, what, dead to sin. I am no longer a slave to sin and neither are you if you have put your faith in Christ. Now you may justify your sin, but you are no longer a slave to sin. You may choose your sin over Jesus. You may choose your sin over the Savior, but that's, that's between you and God. But you don't have to. We'll all be tempted. There will always be temptations. There will always be things that come against us. And there will always be an enemy that seeks to destroy us. But I'm just telling you, we are no longer, we are no longer a slave or a captive to sin. We've been set free from that. And it says, and to live for what is right. So we should be living our lives in a way that honors God, that glorifies God, that, that people can see that, man, you know, we're dying to the flesh. We're dying to the sin that is in our life. And we're wanting to be holy. We're wanting to be set apart. We're wanting to be righteous people. It says, by his wounds, you are healed. And I believe that that is a physical healing that can take place in our bodies. But more than that, it is a spiritual healing that will take place. In other words, I will not die as a result of the sins in my life and be, be separated from a holy God. Here's the thing. Jesus took care of that. And so he has healed me of that. And so when I breathe my last breath in this world, I'll breathe my first breath in heaven. And I believe that with all the faith that's in me. Right? We all, all of us that believe that, we know that's the power of the cross. And so we've been redeemed, we've been set free, we've been changed by the power of God. And he has placed his spirit within us. 
to be our, to be our guide, to be our, our counselor, to be our, our coach, if you will, and to intercede for us and to, and to literally work in us. And so that is a spiritual healing that takes place. Now, I don't know if you guys realize this, but every one of us will breathe our last at some point. Unless Jesus steps out on a cloud and calls us home, these bodies are designed to break down. The Bible even says about 120 years, most of you are going to get out of it. So we will breathe our last. Last week, last Sunday morning, one of my close friends, his wife passed away getting ready for church. She was only 56 years old. And so he was devastated. And I, I messaged him and I said, hey, man, I'm praying for you. I'm praying for you and your family. And he's got three adopted kids that they were raising together. Incredible man of God. He's a pastor there just outside of Nashville. And then I called him and I said, hey, man, I just want you to know I love you. I'm praying for you. I can't even imagine. I said, my heart grieves for you. Uh, but I'm, I'm, I'm celebrating Amy's healing. See, she's healed. Now, he's, he's wounded and he's broken. And so the next, you know, a little while later, I think it was on Monday, I was, I was telling Laura, you know, I, you know, that I found out that Pat had to end up going to the uh, hospital because it was literally affecting him so much. He had to go to the hospital because of his heart. And um, anyway, so the next morning, I pocket dialed him by accident. And I was like, oh, man, I don't even think I'm bothering him. And anyway, he called me right back, and he was devastated. He said, Mike, he said, I know where she's at. He said, but I just want my wife back. And I just shared with him what Scripture says. It says, you know, you know, she can't come back to you, but you can go to where she's at. And I think all of us need to know, you know, we don't know when we'll breathe our last. Amy didn't know last week. Pat didn't know that was going to happen. And so we've got to be willing to say, God, I want to know where I'm going to spend eternity. I want to know that when I breathe my last, that I'm breathing my first breath of heaven. I want to know the gospel. I want to know that I'm saved. But we don't know, right? We've we got, we got to live our lives in a way that, man, that we live for what is right. So by his wounds, we are healed. So Jesus died on the cross so that I could, I could die to sin. And there may be some of you in the room that you, you have been entangled in sin for so long. And it's the same sin that there seems to be over and over and over. Maybe it's become a stronghold in your life. You need to get some people to pray over. You need to get some people to get around you. Maybe you need someone to teach you how to overcome strongholds in your life. But if you are a believer, if you're a follower of Christ, if Christ lives within you and his spirit is within you, then you need to be dead to sin. Not running to it, not living as a captive to it, but set free from that. And so that's the thing. Jesus died on the cross to set me free. You know, we were all in bondage at one time, but we've been set free. And so we ought to live like we're free, right? We ought, we ought to live like we're free, not justifying our sin, not saying I can't quit, not saying I can't put this down, not saying I, I can't, you know, stop anymore, but saying, God, you know, through you, I can do anything. Through Christ, I can do all things, right? And so we've got to be willing to say, God, I am no longer a captive. And so Jesus died on the cross to heal me. We just unpacked that. You know, he died to heal me emotionally, relationally, spiritually, financially. I mean, in every possible way, God says, hey, listen, you, you've got to be willing to uh, walk in freedom. You've been set free from things. Quit living in bondage. You're choosing that. And we're, what it is is we're listening to the lies of the enemy. So the cross reminds me to die, die to self daily. And, and this is something that we all struggle with because we're selfish, Right? self-centered, self-absorbed people. That's what we are. This flesh, the stuff that hangs on us, man, that, that's the way that works. It always is reminding us, hey, make it about you. Make it about what you want. Make it about what you desire. And, and what the, the gospel is, what the, what the teachings of Jesus, hey, listen, die to self and I will meet your needs. 
die to yourself and listen, I'll, I'll take care of you. But we always, even if we, we try to make it look like it's about somebody else, a lot of times we're manipulating them to make it about us, right? That's what our tendency is because of the flesh. So I've got to die to self daily. In Galatians 2, it, two, it says this, my old self has been crucified with Christ crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live. Paul, I love the way he says this. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. So I live in this earthly body by trusting in the son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. That's how he lives. That's why we see with Paul, he's persecuting the church. He's, he's doing everything he can to stop this teaching called the way. And man, he literally has this encounter with Jesus on the road and, and, and it's like everything changed. He has scales on his eyes and then Jesus has a conversation with him and then those scales come off and it's like, dude, this guy can see everything. But he sees it from a God's perspective. He sees it from God's plan, God's purpose. And all of a sudden he's like, man, that old guy is dead. That guy is no longer here. I'm dead to the, that old life. Now I live for Christ. I live for the kingdom of God. I live for him. And so we've got to have that mentality like Paul had here, man, that we have been crucified with Christ. He says, I do not treat the grace of God as meaningless. And I think sometimes we do. We think, well, you know, I'm, I'm covered by grace. And I'm, I'll just tell you this, there's churches out there that teach, hey, it's all about grace and you can live like hell and that's okay. That is not okay. According to scripture, it says, that, hey, listen, we don't sin so that grace may increase that Paul addresses that. He said, man, we live righteous lives. We seek to live according to the teachings of Christ. We don't sin so that we can brag about God's grace. We are not a captive to sin, and we have to die to sin. That's what Jesus died for. He says, I do not treat the grace of God as meaningless, for if keeping the law could make us right with God, then there was no need for Christ to die. I love what he says here because what he's saying, hey, listen, if we think that we can be good enough, that we can follow the rules well enough, that we can get there and God will accept us, you've missed it. You've missed the gospel. You've missed the good news. What Paul is saying, hey, listen, the, the law just revealed that we needed a savior. And so it's not how good I can be. My greatest deeds and your greatest deeds are like filthy rags. And so there was no need for Christ to die if we could get there by being good enough. We have to die. We have to surrender. And so when I said, God, I don't know what I can give you, but here's my life. That's all he wanted. I had to die to self and live for him. And when we do that, man, we are filled with his spirit. So death over my own will. And this is a tough one. We've got to be willing to say, God, it's not my will, but your will. It's what Jesus said. Last, Pastor John did an incredible job last week talking about dying to self. And I don't know if you remember, but he said, you know, oftentimes what we do is we'll pray, you know, God, I want you to reveal your will for my life. He said, that's a selfish prayer because we're still making it about me, my life, right? He said, instead, what we should be praying is God, I give, I give you my life. I want to join you where you're already at work. So God, here I am. I'm giving my life to you. That's the way we should pray. And so we're dying to, you know, my will. It's not about my will, Father. I want your will. I just want to join you where you're already at work around me. And let me just tell you, God is at work all around us. We just got to be willing to say, God, I give, I give you everything. I give you my life. So death over my own will and death over my own desires. See, oftentimes what we do is we we have desires and those things kind of take over in our life. And all we can think about sometimes is, is these desires that we have. Sometimes it's stuff and, or maybe it's accomplishments or whatever it might be. And we, we literally get so focused on those things that everything is about those desires rather than the things of God. And, and so I've got to be willing to die to my own desires that, you know, God, hey, it's not what I desire. God, it's what you desire. 
God, I, I may have had plans, but God, I give up my plans for what you want to accomplish in me and through me. And so death over my own desires and then living a life trusting in the son of God. So we've got to be willing to trust God. And oftentimes we'll say that we trust Jesus to save us, but man, we don't trust him enough to live in a way that honors him. Amen. I had a guy tell me this morning, we were over, over in a cafe, we we're looking at the artifacts and stuff. And, and he said, Hey, uh, pastor, he said, I wanted to just talk to you. He said, uh, you know, I've been sending in my tithe. He said, I just wanted to make sure it was getting to you guys. And I was like, well, I don't keep up with that. I said, our financial uh, person handles that. I said, but she can tell you. He said, well, I finally learned. He said that, you know, a lot of times I wanted to give God the leftovers. He said, but I, I've learned to give him the first fruits. He said, so instead of giving him the leftovers, the first thing I do when I get paid is I give that to the, to the church as my tithe. And I said, well, you've learned well. I said, because that's what God teaches is that he has to be first. And, and even when we tithe, we're saying, God, I trust you to meet my needs financially. And then what we do is we think, hey, well, you know, if I can figure it out and I can find enough to give to God, then that's, that's me trying to figure it out. God's saying, you're trusting in you. He said, hey, listen, you trust in me and I'll bless you with more than you can handle. But you got to be faithful with a little. And oftentimes, and everybody always says this, well, what if I made more money, I would tithe. No, you wouldn't because your heart's still the same, right? You, we say, well, if, if, if my boat ever comes in, you know, and I get all this money or whatever, then I'm going to give like this. And I'm thinking, no, you won't because your heart hadn't changed. So if your heart's right, you know, and that's what I'm talking about earlier. God heals us not only relationally, spiritually, but he can heal us financially as well to where everything, you know, he meets our needs. And here's the thing, if we really trust God, then we know that he'll meet our needs. It says, seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. So everything that you need, God says that he will meet. That's a promise from the God of the universe right there. I don't know if you can figure that out. And you might say, well, Mike, I, you know, there's things that I need. I'll just say this. There are things that we want, and there are wants and, and needs, and needs and wants are very different. God says he'll meet every need that we have. But our wants oftentimes go unmet and we go, you know, God's not hearing me. And God may say, hey, listen, I, I never promised you I'd give you your wants, but I will give you everything you need. And your wants may be what is taking you away from living for God. Because we can get enamored with the things of this world. and We can become so enamored with the things of this world that they become idols and gods in our life. Little G, little G gods. So seek first the kingdom of God. So, so I don't know about you guys, but man, all week long, I've been thankful for the cross of Jesus. And this may seem like a crazy time to be teaching on the cross of Christ because, you know, isn't that around Easter? And don't, isn't that when you talk about it? And I'm like, man, we need to be talking about it all the time. We need to be talking about the power of the cross and the power of the resurrection. We need to be talking about the power of Jesus to save, the power in the blood of Christ to wash away sins. We need to be talking about this all the time, right? Our world needs it more than ever. So we ought to be talking about this every chance we get. So I'm thankful for the cross of Jesus. It says, as for me, may I never boast about anything except the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, we got a bunch of braggers in this room. I know I know a lot of you. And so here's the thing. We often will brag about things. But the Bible says, and this is Paul writing to the church uh, there in Galatians. It says, hey, as for me, may I never boast about anything except the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. Man, if I'm going to brag about anything, I'm going to brag about Jesus. I'm going to talk about the power of the cross to save. I'm going to talk about the power of, cross, of, of the cross to, to set us free, to set us free from the bondage of sin, to set us free from, from, from death, man. All those things are taken care of because of what Christ did on the cross. And so we as believers ought to have that same mentality. 
It says, because of that cross, I love that, because of that cross, my interest in this world has been crucified. Wouldn't that be awesome if this many people, look around, if this many people in this room had the same mentality that Paul says, they say, hey, listen, my interest in this world has been crucified with Christ. It's not about gaining stuff, and it's not about accomplishing all these things that the world says are important, and it's not about chasing success the way that the world defines it, but it's saying, hey, you know what? I want to see the kingdom of God expanded. I want to see the lost saved. I want to see those that are hopeless to find hope. I want to see people's names written in the Lamb's book of life. That's what I desire. Let me tell you, if this many people went out into our community, it would change this whole community if we lived like Paul is talking about here. And it says, and the world's interest in me has also died. I love that part. So, you know, the world, you know, it's got its interest in me, but you know, it, it said, you know what? It's a lost cause because that dude loves Jesus, right? That's what it is. The world says, hey, why waste your time? Satan says, hey, why waste your time on this one? Because, man, he has sold out. He's on fire for God. That, that's the way it ought to be. I love this statement. I don't know if you guys remember the, uh, the, I'm dating myself on this, but there's a song by Carmen, who was a Christian artist years ago. He died in the last couple of years, but he had a song called The Champion. And it was one of the coolest things, and it was dramas and uh, skits that were put on using that song. If you get a chance, go Google it and look it up, and uh, look up uh, Carmen the Champion. It's old, kind of hokey, but it's awesome. And it says, uh, so Satan miscalculated when he got Jesus up on the cross. He thought that he had won when Jesus died. But then the work was finished, which meant that Jesus could commit his spirit to the Father, completely pure. After having gone through everything that a human being can go through here in this world, Jesus then conquered sin, he conquered death, he conquered hell, and he conquered the grave. It says Jesus offers eternal life to all who believe in him and the power of the cross. Isn't that good? I mean, I'm telling you, man, that's good stuff. And, that, and I'm just, we, Satan thought he was winning. That just lets you know he is not all-knowing, right? God is all-knowing. You know, the enemy, Satan, is all lying. That's what he is. He's all lying. He's always lying. And so he thought he was winning. He thought he had conquered, but man, he didn't. And so here's some next steps for us to surrender completely to Jesus for salvation. He said, man, I, I want to be saved. Man, I don't want to just be religious. Man, I want Christ to live in me. I want to live as one who is on fire for the cross of Christ. I want to live in a way that people around me know that, man, when I brag, I brag on the, on, on the cross of Jesus, nothing else. And so maybe today is to surrender completely to Jesus for salvation. Maybe there's somebody here in the room that you think, you know, my whole life, man, Mike, I've, I've been thinking I was saved and I realize today I'm not. Then don't worry about that. Just take care of it today, right? Maybe you're watching online and you nail down your salvation today. Know where you stand. Know that your name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. And then here's another, to boast in the cross of Jesus Christ every chance we have this week. All of us, every one of us, no matter where we go this week. We have the mentality, we say, you know what, man, I want to boast in the, in, the, in the cross. And maybe you're sitting at work and you say, man, I'm just so thankful for the cross of Jesus. I'm thankful that he saved me. I'm thankful that he changed me. I'm thankful that I'm written in the Lamb's book of life. I'm thankful that I'm a child of God. I'm no longer just a creation of God. And we, we boast about that. We think about our coworkers. We think about our bosses. We think about our, our neighbors. We think about our friends. We think about our family members that don't know him. And see, I guarantee you, most of us in this room know at least 10 people that don't know Jesus as Lord and Savior. But what are you doing about it? Who are you talking to about it? And what if this many of us walked out and we began to brag on Jesus and boast about the cross of Christ and just point people to Jesus? 
and the power to save. So it would change everything. And then here's the last one, to give thanks for the cross of Jesus by living for him. Not justifying your sin, but to live for Jesus, to live the right way, to live according to his teachings. And not just trying to fit in with all your buddies, not just trying to, you know, be one of everybody else. Because, man, I want to be set apart. I want to be different. I want to be filled with the Spirit of God. And I want, to, I want to literally make a difference for the kingdom of God. What if all of us did that this week? I'm just telling you, it would change everything and it would impact eternity. Let's pray. I'm not sure what your need is, but God does. And God knew you needed a Savior. He knew you needed to be redeemed. He knew you needed to be uh, transformed by the power of God and by the power of the cross and by the power of the blood. He knew that. He knows everything about you. He knows every detail of your life. He knows every sin you've ever committed. He knows every sin you're thinking about right now and every sin that you'll commit today. He knows everything about you. You're an enemy of God, but he loves you. And he's offering to you the power of salvation to save and to transform you. If you'll just believe. You don't have to earn it. It's a gift you receive. And maybe for you, maybe you're watching online, you realize that's you. Maybe you're sitting in this room, you realize that's me. Why wait another day? Why not let today be the day of salvation for you? And just right where you are, just say, Jesus, I believe that you are the Son of God. Jesus, I believe you died on the cross, and I'm thankful for the cross of Christ. Jesus, I believe that you offer to me salvation if I'll give you my life. And so today, I surrender everything. I surrender my life to you. I ask you to come in and live in me. Change me and help me to live for you. That's repentance. If that is your prayer, the Bible says you're saved. It says you're born again. It says you're redeemed. It says you've been changed and transformed by the power of the cross. Now live like it. Now live like it. If you just prayed that prayer and you're here in the room, if you would just raise your hand. Anybody in the room, just raise your hand. Say, Mike, I just prayed that prayer with you. Anybody? Anybody? Just raise your hand high. I see your hand back over here. Anybody else? Welcome to the family of God. That, the one that just raised your hand. Welcome to the family of God. Anybody else? Just, I see your hand over here, brother. Welcome to the family of God. And here's the thing. Your name's written in the Lamb's Book of Life. Never to be erased. Never be erased. It's written in the blood of Christ. Never to be erased. Welcome. Maybe somebody online made that decision. Man, text us. My decision, 94,000. We want to know. We want to walk with you. We want to celebrate with you. There's a lot of believers in this room, a lot of believers watching. What are you doing to boast about Christ? Are you a faithful follower? Are you living out your faith? I believe God's calling you maybe to repentance today. In just a minute, the worship team is going to lead us in song, and it's an opportunity for you to respond. The prayer team will be here at the front to pray with you. They'll pray with you. They'll pray over you. They'll even answer questions if you got them. So I'm going to ask everybody all across the room to stand. Everyone, if you would, just stand. Father, we ask you just to fill this place. Father, I know that you're working on hearts today. God, I know that there's two that have put their faith in you for salvation. God, we, we celebrate that. God, we honor you, Lord. It's what, it's what Jesus died for. And so, Father, I pray that you would call us to repentance today, God, that your spirit would draw us to an altar. 
God, we would lay down those things that we've been holding on to. We would leave those idols here. God, we would walk out of here set free. Father, fill this place with your presence and your power in such a way it will never be the same. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.